Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. If you have your bulletins inside, there's an outline, and we are beginning a new three-week series this Sunday entitled Less is More. Everyone say, Less is More. All righty, we're going to be talking about uh, this for the next three weeks, so if you have your outline, go ahead and pull it up. Also, if you're following along in the Bible app, the notes are there as well, and you can follow along there. Um, how many of you would say that occasionally or often you have felt stressed? I feel like your hands were already on the way up as I was asking the question. For those of you who are not uh, stressed yet, let me give you a couple reasons to be stressed. Is that fair? You're welcome. Thank you for coming to church today, all right? Uh, Thanksgiving is only two and a half weeks away. Christmas is 47 days away. Um, I talked to a family this morning, and they already have their Christmas tree up. Right, Rayanne? Isn't that awesome? House divided there. Craig's shaking his head. Rayanne's loving it. Uh, only 47 days away. Even on the way to church this morning, my wife and I were discussing Christmas presents and lists and some of the stress that could uh, bring and just discussing it. Um, 2020 is going to come to an end in the next few weeks. Yeah, what if it just is more of the same next year though, right? What if uh, someone said, uh, if 2020 were, was a level, we all failed and we have to repeat it over again. Um, there's many reasons to be stressed. I feel like being stressed is a part of normal life. Bills are going to be coming in from the holidays. We don't know what's going to happen with our economy in the next few weeks. And you find yourself saying maybe one of the followings. I'd really wish that I had either more time for myself. I wish I had more time to spend with the people that I love. I wish, it, I, wish I wouldn't have to worry about fill in the blank, right? And most of us are in this position because we live in a culture that actually really embraces the idea that we push ourselves to the limits. And in the pursuit of more, we're living in at an unsustainable pace, and I would dare say an unbiblical place, pace. If someone were to stop you today... Or maybe just right now, answer in the quietness of your own heart, are you living a full and satisfying life today? Most of us would say, full, yes. <laughs> My life is full. Satisfying, though. Most of us don't think of our life in terms of, am I living a satisfying life? And virtually everybody I run into has very little margin for error in their days and maybe even the major portions of their life. And most people have no margin, margin for the most important things in their life. So we're going to talk about what this idea of margin is in our life for the next three weeks. So what is margin? Let's define what we're talking about. When we say margin, we're talking about margin uh, is the amount available beyond what is necessary. Margin is the space between our load and then our limits. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. So what does it look like? If I have 30 minutes to get somewhere and it takes 20 minutes to get there, how much margin do I have? 10 minutes. I have 10 minutes of margin. If I have $100 and I've got $80 worth of bills, I've got how much margin? 
20, right? We have the space between our load and our limits. It's the difference between what you have and what actually you need. It's the amount available beyond what is necessary. Now, for most of us, there's no space between our load and our limits. We're not at 80% with room to breathe. We're at 100% and we're just getting by. And so what we're going to discuss for three weeks is how to create margin in a hurried, busy, chaotic world. And so this three-week series is going to be incredibly practical. Uh, The Bible is wisdom for our life. If you're new to our church or maybe you're watching online for the first, one of the few first few times, we believe in the Bible. We believe it is God's holy word preserved for generations to us. We believe it is alive, that it is breathing, that it has practical wisdom for everyday living. And so this three-week series is going to be incredible practical, incredibly practical. Um... We just finished a 13-week series through the book of Hebrews, and I would say the book of Hebrews was incredibly uh, theological. It was a lot of doctrine. It was a lot of truths about what we believe about our God, what we believe about Jesus, and yet this series is going to be just as important because it's going to give us uh, some really practical things for us to think about and to chew on. So in two weeks, we're going to discuss financial margin. What does it look like to live a life with your finances in a way that would please God? What does it look like to live a life where you steward your wealth God's way? Next week, we're going to look at scheduling margin. What would it look like to slow down, to honor the Sabbath? What would it look like? And then this week, we're going to define what it means to have margin. So how does margin play out in everyday life, right? Margin is is having distance between you and your temptation. Margin is having the emotional capacity to deal with problems, to have extra time or money to invest in things that you care about. It's having time to think. It's having more significant time with God. Simply put, margin is what most of us don't have. So I'm convinced that this is something that our church body needs. And as we do, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. So go to Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at the last five verses of Luke chapter 10 in a story about two different women. One decided she didn't have margin, and the other one created margin and experienced something for herself. Luke chapter 10 will begin in verse 38. This is what it says. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. So as the narrative unfolds, I don't want to rush this story because Many of us perhaps have heard this story, but as the narrative unfolds, we see something very cool happening. Martha opened up her home to Jesus. She welcomed Jesus. This is what you would expect, right? If Jesus knocked on your door today, this afternoon, I hope you would welcome him. Some of you would close the door and clean the house, right? Some of us would close the door and maybe... Uh, say a quick prayer to the guy who's just on the other side of the door. But what would you do if Jesus knocked on your door? Martha welcomed him, and this this is a beautiful opportunity for Mary and Martha. It may present itself differently than it did for Mary and Martha, but make no mistakes, we have these opportunities to welcome Jesus. It may present itself as a family member in need. It may present itself as a prayer request that comes across your phone. It may present itself with someone who is in need and you have the funds or the resources to be able to help someone. Martha welcomed Jesus when Jesus made himself available to her. Look at verse 39. 
She, Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now here's what's happening. While Martha welcomed Jesus, Mary goes to another level and she engages Jesus personally. Mary created a moment. She could have had things to do. She might have had laundry that was undone. Her room might not have been kept. There might have been groceries to buy in order to welcome Jesus appropriately with a meal. But rather than creating the perfect moment, she embraced the moment she did have right in front of her. Let me ask you a difficult question. When was the last time you enjoyed Jesus? Where you got to rest in the moment of being with him. Instead of worrying about creating the perfect moment, you just embraced the moment and enjoyed him. Mary and Martha, they're in this situation, right in the middle of this situation, and Martha has an issue. Let's look at the next verse. Martha was, what's that next word? Yeah. How many of you can replace your name with Martha's name there most of the time? Right? Martha was distracted. What is she distracted by? By all the preparations that had to be made. Um, Doesn't that describe like the next six weeks of our life with Thanksgiving and Christmas? Right? She came to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to get off her... No, that's not what it says. Um... Tell her to help me. Martha, on the other hand, was like many of us. She was distracted. She was wigging out. And here's the thing. She wasn't distracted by things that were bad or evil. She was distracted by good things. She was distracted by things that are helpful, that are needful. Martha welcomed Jesus, but she was distracted by these good things. And further, Martha is convinced that what she was worried about was absolutely more important. And in fact, many of us are distracted by the same thing. On my vacation, I began reading or listening to an audio book of Corey Temboom, her autobiography, The Hiding Place. I had read it years ago, but it had been a while since I read it. And if, uh, if you haven't read it, I would highly encourage it this records Carrie Dem- Temboom's uh, journey with her father and sisters in the 1940s, helping many Jews escape the Nazis from the Holocaust in World War II and by hiding them in her home. Corrie Tenboom says this about being hurried. If the devil can make you sin, he'll make you busy. Carl Jung said it this way, hurry is not of the devil, Hurry is the devil. I want you to see how Jesus encourages Martha in this moment. Look at verse 41. He says this, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Some of us, we become so busy at doing lesser things that are good that we sacrifice the greater things that are right in front of us. And we're distracted because of the preparations that need to be made. And then we, we, we miss out on the opportunity to enjoy Jesus. This series is going to be incredibly practical. And if I could be honest, and I should be because I'm a pastor, 
um, I'm going to push you on this during this series. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going I'm to ask you to reprioritize your life. I'm going to ask you to flip it upside down. Because here's the thing. If, if it would take minor changes for us to experience the presence of God, we're all smart. We would have made the minor change. We would have adjusted our life if, to, if it took a small adjustment. And so I'm going to push not for minor changes, but for overhauls in our life. Because this is what happens when we live a margin-less life. When we don't have the margin, this is what happens. First of all, when margin decreases, stress increases. Right? How many of you were uh, uh, rushed in getting to church today? Anybody honest enough? Nobody? Craig, thank you. What happens when, when that margin on, on, on the time you have to get somewhere decreases? What happens to our hearts? What happens to our blood pressure? Right? Our stress increases. Some of you uh, experience this uh, in, in commuting, going one place to another. Uh, the same is true financially. It, when your financial margin decreases, what happens in your marriage? What happens in your relationship, right? Your stress increases. This is the other thing. When margin decreases, your relational intimacy also de decreases. So margin decreases, your stress increases, you get busier, and then what happens to the relationships in your life? They end up suffering. And it gets so bad that even the activities that are designed to give us a measure of time to enjoy one another's company, let's say a meal, and we're staring at our phones because we're just missing out on what's happening around us. When margin de decreases, our relational intimacy also decreases. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I run into people um, and they, you know, and, and, I, and I don't mean to be the picture of guilt in some people's lives, but they immediately have to explain why I haven't seen them. And most of the time it's, I haven't seen you in a while, I just got, what's the next word? Yeah. Most people don't read their Bibles because they think they're too busy. Most people don't pray for their marriage, for their kids, for their walk with God because they think they're too busy. And the reality is this, if we've come too busy for people that we love, if we're too busy for God, we're too busy. Here's the, tr here, here's the horrible part. We've convinced ourselves that this busyness is okay and that it's normal and that it's just something we have to deal with. Why is it that so many of us live these margin-less lives? Why is it that so many of us plan on slowing down one day, but we rarely do? Uh, I like to think of myself as a young pastor still. It hurts when you laugh. I, um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I try to surround myself with other pastors and, and pastors who have done it uh, longer than I have, and especially pastors who've done it longer than I've had in one specific church, in one specific place. And every time I'm around them, I ask them for some wisdom on how do you stay put for 20, 30 years? How do you pastor uh, for, for, for a whole generation in one town, in one church? And every single time I talk to a pastor who's 60, 70 years old, who's done it for a long time, they say, boy, make sure you take some time. Make sure you portion out some time for you and your wife and your family. Because when we get too busy, 
we've convinced ourselves that this busyness is okay. I'm going to say something that I hope challenges you. I would say the reason so many of us live margin-less lives is because we do not fully trust God. Like, like taking care of our sins? Yes. Our eternal destination when our souls pass? Absolutely. But to slow down and to live in, in the rhythms that God has provided for us takes for us a different practical level of trust that says, I'm going to trust you with the everyday part of my life. Because, because the alternative is this, I got to work harder, I got to make more money, I got to have a nicer home, I got to do this, I got to do that, because if I don't, I'm going to miss out on something that I'm really looking forward to. In other words, what we're doing with our time is we're practicing idolatry. We're distracted by all the production and the worldliness. We got to have we got to have this, we got to have that. If I get a nicer car, if I get a boat, if I get this, I will uh, if I get the promotion, I can sustain this lifestyle. I got to have our kids involved in the best in all opportunities because God forbid we invest spiritually in our children. We got to have the perfect body. Uh, because my soul is not as valuable as my body. I've got to produce more and more and more. And what ends up happening is it becomes normal to be distracted. So what we're going to do for the next three weeks is to literally have a come to Jesus meeting. And then for the next few weeks, I'm going to push you and challenge you. And I will be honest with you, sadly, most of you will not take this to heart. And that breaks my heart. You're going to see it, and you're going to decide to live the same marginless life. Some of you, though, you're going to see it, you're going to feel it, you're going to believe it, you're going to see it in Scripture. You're going to purpose in your heart not to live according to the pattern of this world, but you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think you're going to live the more fulfilling life. Look at the invitation of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, it's there in your notes. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this, come to me. I told you it would be a come to Jesus meeting, more talk, right? This is Jesus talking. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Uh, let me just fill in the blank there. Come to me, all you who are stressed out, who are overwhelmed. Come to me, single parents who are about to fall apart. Come to me, business person who feels like you're going to lose it all. Come to me, teenager who is freaking out. Come to me, parent who has no margin for themselves. Come to me, all who are overwhelmed and feel insignificant if they're not busy all the time. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and look at what Jesus promises and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Let that phrase sink in. Rest for your soul. Peace, assurance, tranquility, wholeness, the shalom that God provides. Rest for your souls. Psalms 46 says this, he says, be still and know that I am God. 
and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give rest, not just for your physical bodies, but I'll give rest to your souls. The anxiety that you feel, the discouragement that you feel, uh, the, the disheartment, the, uh, the burdens that are in your heart, I will give rest to your souls. Be still, know that I am God. We're talking about a marginless life that we all of a sudden come to God. So, this is going to be an incredibly practical series. Here's your assignment this week. Your assignment is to make a daily non-negotiable appointment with God this week. The assignment is to create margin. To be in God's presence. The daily appointment is so that you can break the idolatry of your busyness. You're going to let the laundry be undone for just a few minutes. You're going to let the emails and the Facebook and Twitter and Instagram go for 15 minutes without you. You're just going to be still and be with God. This is the first and the significant step into creating a lot more margin. So the margin we're going to talk about next week in, in terms of your schedule and slowing down and honoring the Sabbath, uh, the one we talk about in two weeks with financial margin so you can steward the wealth that God has given you well, those are going to be a whole lot easier if you do this one first. Um, daily appointment with God. So before you begin, identify a place, a time and a place that works well for you. A time and a place. Um, so for most people, first thing in the morning works best. You're rested, you're fresh, and the day is young. If you're like me, uh, I'm not rested, I'm not fresh, and I don't feel young first thing in the morning. So it takes me a little bit while, a little bit. So people ask me if I'm a morning person or I'm a night person. I'm a noon person. Like that's where I'm at my peak. My optimum energy, my optimum alertness, I'm noon. So think about it right now. Practically speaking, what's the best time for you to do it? Um, if you have children, you're going to have to figure that out. Is it before they go to bed? Is it after they go to bed? Is it in the morning? Uh, when the kids are napping on a lunch break, after work, before you go to bed? You might have to experiment for a while. What's the place? Think about the place that is a quiet distraction, or quiet and free from distraction. I was spending some time when we first moved to our new home at the beginning of the pandemic. I was doing my quiet time outside in my backyard. It is cold right now. I don't like to be cold, so I don't do it there no more. You got to find the right place. Is it the right chair? Maybe it's the, maybe it's the recliner. Maybe it's the kitchen table chair next to your, next to your coffee. Um, whatever it is, find a time find a place. You say, Daniel, this is incredibly elementary. I am tired of Christians not being transformed. I am tired of Christians who are going through the motions spiritually and showing up on Sunday and all of a sudden it's this, this check mark that we've established for ourselves. It's going to take you to, it's going to ask you to, to wake up a little bit earlier. It's going to be wake up a little later. It's going to be uh, don't spend as much time on social media. It's going to be replacing some things in your life so you can be transformed. I don't want to settle for normal anymore. So figure out a time and a place, okay? 
Next, set a reasonable goal. This is where I just stink. Uh, I don't, uh, we have a few elders in the room. Um, my first elders meeting was in December of 2015. We're coming up on five years as your pastor. Um, thank you for that, by the way. Um, my first elders meeting, I don't know if you elders will remember this. I walked in there and I didn't know what to report. And so I said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to spend the next few months memorizing 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. It's been five years. <laughs> I still haven't memorized those three. Like, I'm really bad at setting reasonable goals. Set a reasonable goal. Figure out what is that. Uh, and don't be embarrassed by the goal. Uh, some of us are going to be beginners. Start small. Um, I think small to me is 1% of your day, which is 15 minutes. Maybe it needs to be smaller than that. Maybe it needs to be three to five times a day, a week. Maybe you already practice a daily appointment with God a few times a week and you've, you figured that out. I would consider upping it to seven days in more time. If you already have a daily appointment with God, consider upping the time or adding specific prayers to missionaries, to uh, your pastor, your elders, your, uh, your family. Start where you're at, not where you should be. If you can only do five minutes, great. Start there and gently move forward. Uh, the biggest hurdle will be this, uh, this unre unreasonable goal that you set yourself. Beware of the idealism or the perfectionism or the overreaching. Because the truth of the matter is we grow through small incremental acts that in time becomes habits that eventually will develop into character. And this happens over the span of years, not days. Let me encourage you to resist the urge to say, I'm just not good at this. This isn't for me. I don't like this. Be patient with the work. Be patient with the time. Be patient with yourself. I go to the gym a few times a week. I like to remind you because you would never know by looking at me. When you go to the gym, you don't just go and you don't just go and put 245 plates on a bar and expect to lift that, to bench it. You start small. You make incremental increases over time and then one day, Hopefully soon for me, you walk in and you just move all that weight. Go easy on yourself, but start. Uh, go easy on yourself doesn't mean, well, I'm going to start tomorrow. No, go easy on yourself means make the decision. God's Holy Spirit will, will empower you, embolden you. If you're married, share that commitment with your spouse and just say, I'm going to start spending five minutes a day, so I'm going to have to leave five minutes early so I can do that in my vehicle before I go to work. Embrace that what you receive will be more than it cost. I would say this, most of us have welcomed Jesus into our life. And most of us have become distracted with all the preparations that are needed. The cost is huge. The cost means you're going to have to portion out some time for you and God. The cost means you're going to have to develop some new habits. And the older we get, the harder it is to embrace these new habits. But if we live a margin-less life, we will see our stress levels increase. 
If we refuse to live a life of margin, our relational intimacy with others will decrease. Our relational intimacy with God will be non-existent. We'll feel distant from God and end up living off of someone else's spirituality. We feel distance from ourselves. We've lost sight of our identity and our calling and who Jesus has called us to do. We will feel an undercurrent of anxiety that rarely, if ever, goes away. We will get exhausted. We will run out of energy, temptations. haunt haunt us and because we're not spiritually fed up we will succumb to temptations we will turn to escapes and we turn to the cheap fix a new show to stream more time on social media another beer another glass of wine and our cheap fixes will then become expensive fixes we become easy prey for the tempter And pornography enters our home. And our sense of distance from God increases and increases, and the emotional health withers away. There's a better way to live. There's Jesus' way. I want you to look at Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, and we're almost done. Isaiah 58 and verse 11 says this, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in the sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. The Lord will guide you always. Not the culture, not the expectations of the world, but the Lord will guide you. He, not the things of this world, He will satisfy your needs in the sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. And rather than be parched and thirsty and empty and barren, you will be well-watered. You will be a spring whose waters never fail. And when you stop living according to the patterns of this world, but instead we live according to the rhythms of His grace, we will not be the same. Living in the margin is what God has intended for us because less is more. Would you bow for prayer with me? Our worship team is going to prepare to lead us in worship. And while they do, if you have never placed your trust in God and started a personal relationship with Him, let me encourage you today to give your life to Christ. John chapter 8 and verse 24 says this, I told you that you would die in your sins. And if you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. The two givens in this passage is this, we are in sin and dying in our sin is a dreadful prospect. And there's hope, there's hope beyond this. And that hope is believing in Jesus. Boy, in a few moments when we take communion together, you can identify with Christ by taking communion with us then. If you're in the room, we have several stations set up. If you're at home, we invite you to take some communion elements and to join us in just a few moments. But if today you have never given your life to Christ, let me encourage you to do so. And maybe today is the first time you receive communion as a follower of Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, let us determine today to live within the rhythms of His grace. How busy have you let your life get? 
how rushed, how chaotic, how hurried has it been? I think Corey Tenboom said it so eloquently. Boy, if the devil cannot make you sin, he'll make you busy. Because in the busyness of it all, we let the distractions of this life distract us from what is most important. And most of what we're distracted with is good things. Boy, if we live this margin-less life, you're going to see your stress increase and your relational intimacy decrease. And the moments that you have with your family are not as full and life-giving as they should be. And as your pastor, let me lovingly remind you, if you're too busy for the people God has put in your life and you're too busy for God himself, you are too busy and it is an unhealthy and an unbiblical pace you're setting for your life. So let's determine today that first and foremost, we're going to create margin with a daily appointment with God. You're going to figure out the time. You're going to figure out the pace, place. You're going to figure out what your goal is going to be. And as a church family, we're going to embrace that what we receive will be way more than what it cost us. Heavenly Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would pierce our hearts. Father, I thank you in advance for, the, for those who will be open to what you say. And God, I ask that you would give them the courage to make significant life changes that would honor you. Father, by God's grace, I, for one, refuse to surrender to this culture. And I am not going to live my life for lesser things. Father, help us create margin for the most important things knowing that when we seek you, you will guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.